Welcome back, everybody, to the Self Storage Income Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Live Oak Bank and Janus International. Live Oak Bank is a partner that we've chosen to have as our sponsor because of the incredible work they do in the self-storage industry specifically. They know storage. Their teams are very knowledgeable about the asset, the asset class, what you can and can't do, how things are valued. Super, super important to have those kinds of partners on your side, and Live Oak Bank can be those partners for you guys. We've had an amazing feedback from so many people out there that have reached out to Live Oak and have had amazing experiences with them as well, which is so cool to hear, and one of the reasons why we've specifically chosen them to be our sponsor on this podcast. So link is in the show notes. Go check out Live Oak Bank. Get at them. Get all your questions answered, figure out what direction you're going to go, and get that financing and funding figured out. Our next sponsor, Janice International. Amazing solutions for you guys, whether you're building a new facility or you're trying to upgrade an old facility. They have a lot of amazing options and solutions for self-storage owner and operators to bring their facilities up to today's standards, and to also help you guys build some of the most state-of-the-art facilities that you could possibly be building right now that help meet that user expectation and that we all have really at this point where we want things on demand, we've got to have it right now, it's got to be easy, convenient, all that stuff. Janus International provides that. They provide great solutions and uh, valuable solutions and they too, like Live Oak Bank, they have decades of experience in the self-storage industry. Amazing people. Link is in the show notes. Get at them. And with that said, enjoy the episode. Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third-tier markets to large 100-plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome, everybody, to Self-Storage Income, and today we have a topic for you. So if you haven't noticed, and I don't know who could not notice, there's been a little inflation lately. No. I know. I know. (laughs) It's, you know, and as this is just on the news and everybody's talking about it, we should probably talk about what inflation does to self-storage. Yeah, I'm and, excited to jump in, man. Yeah, yeah. It's This is a great topic um, for all of you that know and understand and listen to my A.J. Osborne podcast as well. I love uh, economics and I really like understanding monetary policy and how all of this works. It's fascinating, ever-changing. No one knows the future or has a crystal ball. Um, so I want to kind of dive into some historical context, some numbers here, and then we can talk about what we're seeing within our portfolio. Um, and we can talk about the dangers and the pros and the cons. Okay. So first, let's set the stage for right now and give it context. We've had multiple months, four months at inflation rates of above 5%, 5.4. Um, to give you any idea in um, 
2020, um, it was more around 1.2. Um, we're looking at a historical context, and I think you really have to understand how inflation, why inflation's here, how it came, uh, and how that lines up kind of with the overall uh, past in the United States. Of course, we all know of the inflation that was rampant through the 70s up all the way to the 80s, where we saw over 12%. Um, but really, outside that, there was a period in time right in the late 80s, right in the 90s, where we saw inflation uh, go up to above 5%. But other than that, really, inflation has been low. And so the inflation that we're seeing right now has really spiked. And uh, it's going up quickly. And um, there's worries that we are going to continue. Now, we have to remember there's two there's two sides or there, there's two reasons that we're seeing inflation today. Um, first of all, inflation is the basically erosion of the buying power of the dollar. So uh, goods and services are rising. And so the buying power of money is lowering. This is how inflation works. Um, and at the end of the day, inflation hits people really hard that are on fixed incomes or that, well, just everyone in general that needs to buy things because you're seeing basically um, that the uh, disposable income start to shrink. Uh, so one of the things that has to happen, you have to have, obviously, salaries have to start rising. Um, but if inflation happens uh, too quickly, like mid-year, like we've seen it, people's budgeting, um, they are now off, in some cases, dramatically. Uh, because inflation isn't even. We have inflation that is much higher in certain products, goods, services, um, cars, gasoline, um, and we're not going to get into all the individual items and what's included or not. But right now, in general, the public's filling the squeeze in all sorts of items across the board, including energy, which isn't traditionally included, but housing, all sorts of stuff. Um, and this has an effect on the real estate market, particularly when we're looking at housing and and how much that's cost. So people have been feeling squeezed and they're starting to get worried. This has uh, two things to do. First of all, there's a scarcity aspect that's creating inflation um, because supply chains have been just jacked. And so we can't get products, services, which means they're, everybody's fighting over limited uh, amounts. And so that makes demand increase. So prices are rising dramatically associated with that. The other side of it and the side that I'm more interested in um, is the monetary um, influence of the United States government, because that's a huge driver. We have been, you know, we have printed 40% of all the money in the last year in the United States. Of like all the supply that's yeah. ever been done. Yeah. Like 40% of that. Yeah. I, I did. I heard that the other day and I'm just, it's baffling to think. And it, and do you think we're going to, do you think we're feeling that full experience of that impact right now? No. Or do you think there's going to be a massive trickle-down effect of that just massive influx? Well, we're at the highest point of capital um, on the sidelines and reserves and, and everything else. So not all of the capital is being put to work. But 
you know, you have there's so there's two sides. There's you have the printing of money, but then too, it's important to understand where capital goes. So the movement of capital in the markets, it, it's self-reinforcing. So the government needs inflation because inflation essentially lowers their debt. Mm-hmm. And so they actually encourage it. They have targets they're trying to hit. They want things to grow. They want the economy to grow, prices to go up. They definitely don't want deflation. Deflation is super scary. Uh, that's when everything starts crashing and prices start falling and nobody wants to buy anything because it's always cheaper. Um, deflation is the boogeyman, right? Now, runaway inflation is the same thing. Hyperinflation, right? does the exact same thing. It just destroys the economy. We see this in um, other economies. Uh, I have a, a a framed picture of like all this money on my wall and it's all these, uh, uh, I used to live in Brazil and it's all of these, um, uh, they're old currency and they're like million dollar bills and they we just find them lying around on the ground. So... <laughs> Inflation happened and their money became worthless. So they had to actually just destroy their own currency and get a new one, which became the Hei instead of the Cruzeiro. So um, when you're dealing with uh, inflation, it's really understanding supply, demand. There's the more money you put into the economy, you devalue it. And the government, that's one way that they stop deflation. So the re- how, how that pouring money into the economy makes us, so the government's incentivizing us, makes us and makes prices and things grow. What what they're essentially doing is they're saying, if you keep your money in the bank account, every year you're going to be guaranteed that you're going to lose two, three, four, five percent, whatever the inflation rate is. That's a guaranteed. So savers are losers. So if you're a money manager and your target is to hit 6% a year, and you have inflation of 3%, you automatically lost 3%. Mm-hmm. So it's not actually 6% return that you need to hit. So um, you have return adjust, returns adjusted for inflation. And what this causes is this causes massive movement of money through the economy because they do this by essentially lowering the cost of money through things like debt. So today... Uh, to own a treasury bill, the one-year note pays 0.17%. That's how much it pays. Um, the 30-year is, uh, or the five-year is 1.19. So if you hold a treasury bill and you're getting paid not even 1% and inflation is 4%, you're losing you know, 3%. So what happens is money starts to retreat from things like bonds and it starts to go to find yield. It's trying to protect its value and also increase in value. So then what happens is money starts rushing into the stock market. It starts rushing into real estate. It starts rushing into these other asset classes. And we have what we call cap rate compression because everybody wants to buy it. And so values are rising, even though maybe uh, income to the asset hasn't risen, that's a cap rate compression. So the underlying, if uh, the difference between the value at a six cap and a four cap, just because somebody will pay a higher amount at a four cap didn't change the underlying 
revenue, it just changes how much they buy it for, right? Mm -hmm. That's what the uh, idea of that cap rate compression is. And during inflation, they're doing it because they say, well, I was going to get a 10% return. Well, I had inflation at 1%, so maybe my actual return was 9%. But if it's 5%, that means even if I could buy it and get it at 9%, I'm going to still stave off more of the loss. So the net return may be higher under an inflation rate of 5%. So that's why why the money is trying to go somewhere to not die, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and that causes assets to really start to rise um, as people search for yield and protection. So we see stock markets boom, housing market booms. Everybody's trying to buy houses. Now, this is exasperated, obviously, in products and, and housing market and things because of the limited supply. So how? why is this happening? Why? Because it is the cheapest Take housing, for example. It is the cheapest that uh, American homeowners, their their debt payments have ever been. So the debt to the housing payments are super low because the cost of money is super low. Now, obviously, as co- housing prices rise, that changes, because but the, that's changing the debt amount. But this actual service of the debt, dollar for dollar, has been is cheap, so their buying power is more. I can get more house, mm-hmm. right? So, in the seventies, how they stopped um, this runaway inflation, which was twelve percent. Um, well, Paul Volkerman, love Paul. Uh, he basically said, "We're going to let interest rates." go where they need to go organically and naturally. We're not going to subside them. Interest rates started to rise dramatically. And what that does is it makes it so you can't borrow. So it essentially just contracts the money supply in the economy. And that's all that's happening, right? So the government uses interest rates to expand and contract money supply. And then that changes demand. So when you start to devalue money and your money um, can't buy you as much. I need to get stuff. I need to buy stuff, right? Because prices keep going up. Housing, cars, assets, um, and I'm trying to avoid a loss. So what does that mean to self-storage? Now, there's two sides in self-storage. First of all, expenses are rising dramatically. We had to readjust all our models just in the last six months because of the increase in everything from wages, utilities, all the things that we have to do. Building a storage facility costs, geez, twice, three times what it did five years ago. It's crazy just this past year. Steel skyrocketed. Yeah. And it's on a terror. And so now all of a sudden, um, prices associated with rents have to rise just to pay bills. So what we're seeing now is a rise in rates that is super high over the last year. So rental rate increases are growing dramatically. And that also is because of the housing market. Everybody's trying to buy. Everybody's trying to move. You have everybody that's resituating in the United States. So um, occupancies are super high. Uh, so you have this kind of all this force that goes upwards. Now, this can decelerate or have a bad effect on self-storage. Because if interest rate gets too high and the purchasing power goes away, right, and the economy stagnates, then it stops. And then we have the opposite problem. Um, You can't 
charge to keep up. You can't, people don't buy anything. Housing market stops. Um, so essentially the government's, you know, they're like Goldilocks. Can't be too hot. Can't be too cold. It has to be just right. And their target for just right is, is 2.5%. But at the end of the day, this rise and uh, massive rise in rental um, income, because we're, after, we're charging more and more and more, the greatest thing about real estate and one of the reasons why it's such a good hedge for inflation is the number one expense is fixed. That's my debt payment. It's fixed at the super low rate. So I have the main expense fixed, other expenses that let's say, okay, so let's say uh, your other expenses that make up, you know, 30% or 35% of operating expenses, let's say that they those expenses rise by 6 7%, but I'm able to rise the total revenue by the same amount. Well, I, I make more money because that's just 35%. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But the total gross revenue rose, so that's spread. But in reality, what's happening is those expenses are rising, but we're getting 12% rate increases. So our cash flow is going way up and expenses are going up. But right now it's in this good spot. It's in this hedge because our number one expense um, is fixed and that's right. the debt. So they don't correlate exactly. Uh, this is why people rush. This is why we get cap rate compression. Because people are trying to buy real estate to hedge from inflation. Now, where does this go and how does this end? It's good while it's good. But at the same time, the opposite effect happens when interest rates rise. So when interest rates rise, debt payments rise. So you have the, uh, so in in self-storage, particularly in the history, it's been very, very correlated to interest rates. And this is the reason why. It's your largest expense, your cost to borrow rises. So what I can pay is less. So then instead of having cap rate compression, cap rates go the other way. Now your facility isn't worth as much. And now if you need to refinance, you can get into trouble. So inflation, um, inflation benefits real estate as long as it doesn't get out of control. It makes people wealthy. And like I tell people, you know, you know, at the end of the day, if you're an asset holder right now, the U.S. government has for the last 10 years been doing everything that they can to make you wealthy. The full force of the United States government. They're printing money. They're buying bad debt. They're doing QE, Q1. They're doing everything that they can so asset prices will rise. They're intentional about it. Um, through the end of this year, I'm very interested to see if being double the targeted inflation rate, if they surprise us with saying they've already come out and said next year, we're going to start to let interest rates rise a little, but I honestly wonder, you know, if they will let them go up even more or if they can dramatically affect supply chain so that interest rates don't stay so high on certain products and it drops down to a normal rate. At the end of the day, we don't know. But as of right now, if you own a storage facility, it's good. If you're buying a storage facility, not so much because you're competing now with all the money that's trying not to be lost and everybody that's trying to catch that that inflation upside. It's a very interesting market. And it's, I mean, the change, I don't think people understand the change. Look at this change, Connor. Look at that. Look how fast that happened. Yeah, from January 21 <laughs> to July, you're talking a spread of 
let's see, 4%? 4%. It's insane. Yeah. In a matter of months. A couple months, a few months. Yeah. And that's the inflation rate. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's dramatic. So um, the thing that you need to realize about um, real estate is our return comes from a few different places. So we get our cash on cash return, meaning the cash flow that is given to us. Generally in real estate, that ranges from 5 to 12%. You also get your principal repayment of debt reduction, right? Which is generally 4 to 5%. Then you also have the um, devaluation uh, through inflation, which is generally 1% to 3%. That's 5% now. But at 1% to 3%, you're still getting it. Property appreciation, 3 to 4%. And then tax advantages, 4%. So generally speaking, without a 5% inflation rate, you're getting an annual return of 17 to 28%. So you add inflation from 1% to 3 all the way to 3 to 5 that changes that to like 20 to 30%. That's a big change. Mm-hmm. And your overall total calculated return on that asset and that asset class. Now, it's wild times, man. It's wild times to see these drastic changes and, and how quickly they're happening and how volatile all this is. And I mean, you're talking 5%, but I mean, that only goes up to that graph we were just looking at only went up to July. Yeah. It's probably closer to six. Yeah. At this point. And, it, and to it, it really depends on also, you know, how they calculate inflation irritates a lot of people. Because they leave a lot of expenditures out. And so when you look at the real cost for people today, um, it changes dramatically. If you have to buy a car or a house, the actual cost of this, what's going on, is astronomical. It's not 5% to you. Mm -hmm. Cars are doubling in value. Houses is going up 15%. Like it's, and these are large expenses, right? The cost of gas. So the cost to live for most people has gone up much higher than that. Mm-hmm. No, that's a really good point because you're getting that from all sides, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you, you see, though, also, this is uh, causes people to change their spending habits, which affects storage. It changes where they move to, how they're moving, what they're doing, which we, all, we have to track to understand self-storage demand. At the end of the day, real estate is a competing asset in the money flow. So over the past 130 years, um, you've had a basically a 9-2% annual increase in the stock market. In the last 10, 10 years, it's been for basically 14%. So the last 10 years, everything has just been on a mad roar, and it's affected because of this monetary supply. All meanwhile, for most people in America, their buying power has gone down dramatically. So self-storage has been benefited a lot from this. Um, it's benefited from coronavirus. Uh, the question is, is how long will that last? How much will demand last? You need to make sure that at the end of the day, you don't worry about the macro side you really look at the individual deal and if the deal is good with the debt that you can lock in at that time, then you're okay. You look at the future supply coming onto the market, but just realize that there's inflation, that inflation uh, can help you and that in self-storage and real estate in general is a hedge against that inflation and a good one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Moral of the story is get in the game. 
That's right. Get the gay mail. <laughs> Own assets. You know, and this is something we're going to talk about all through probably next year, and we'll talk more about what we're seeing. Um, we could we need to probably have Terry Campbell come on too and talk about what they project yeah. with in, interest rates as this becomes a lot more. Because after a certain point with inflation, uh, it really starts to get up in the air what interest rates are going to do because they're going to let them rise. Um, so I'd really we'll get some banks on here to talk about what they're seeing and what they would expect depending on certain inflation rates, mm-hmm. um, how the government will cor- uh, correspond with interest rates. Yeah. No, I love it. I think it's a great idea. Uh, a lot of question marks out there for a lot of people. Yes. Uh, a lot of uncertainty. Uh, people are curious what is going to happen with interest rates. Are they going to go up? How far? Like what that looks like? Yeah. Um, a lot, a lot of question marks. So I think it's a great idea. But uh, with that said, what else do we got to share with all the folks out there? We got all kinds of rad, amazing <sighs> things cow. going on. Guys, uh, it's incredible. A year. It's, yeah, we've <laughs> yeah. got so much stuff. We, um, One of the things that me and Connor have been really working on, especially this last week, is to change things on the YouTube game. Uh, if you guys go to YouTube, you, so due diligence is a big one. I just made a video. It's probably like 10 minutes, but I literally just basically line item everything <laughs> that you need to look at in due diligence. Perfect. Uh, so we have some great content that is not just audio, it's visual that we can actually walk through a lot of concepts. So you guys got to check that out. Um, and we, we put a lot of effort into this. Me and Con, uh, Connor spent a lot of time. You know, it's night here. Everybody's at home with the families. We're still here trying to put this information out to you guys. If you guys could leave us a, a, a good review, subscribe to the channel. Um, that means a lot. Share it out there. That really helps us out. Absolutely. Get engaged. And uh, thank you guys for your support, making yes. this what it is. We really appreciate you guys. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, everybody.